Welcome back to Unleashed at Work and Home, the podcast dedicated to helping pet professionals feel less stress and find more joy. My guest today is Dr. Sheila Newenham, a veterinarian um, just outside Chicago. So welcome, Sheila. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm delighted to have you. Can you tell us a little bit about your work? You bet. I've been a small animal dog and cat veterinarian for about 25 years now. I spent 20 years full time with all of the stresses that go along with that. Um, And then the last five years, I've been working part time. Animal behavior has really been a passion for mine since the beginning. I'm at a fear free practice now, which is wonderful and has been a Mm -hmm. lot better for my mental health. (laughs) Um, Yes. And in the five years since I've gone part-time, um, I've really focused a lot on a photography hobby that I've had for a long time. That's also animals because it's nature and wildlife, but in a very different way. Yes. And the theme for our talk today is exploration, because I was very interested that you call yourself the chief explorer in your photography work. But before we dive into that, I'd like to ask you, what do you find most challenging about your work as a veterinarian? I think the most challenging part is meeting people's expectations. People have high expectations for what we're able to do, both in terms of outcomes and then with minimal cost. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's hard to piece all that together and have everybody be happy at the end of the day. Yeah, it does. It does seem to be the biggest challenge in all of the work is not the animals, but the people yes. and, <laughs> and, their, and their feelings about the work. And also just sort of our drive to be people pleasers. Like we would like everyone to be happy. And yet that's hard to do. Absolutely. Yes. And, uh, you know, the perfectionists that sort of run in the profession and, mm-hmm. um, and, and wanting everybody to be happy with what I do for them. You know, that's uh, that's something I put on myself, but but still part of the stresses of that. Um, And then the animals are the relief, right? Yes. (laughs) So um, yeah, interacting with the animals in the exam room and and then outside is is the relief for me. Right. And when you say about the perfectionism and how you put that stress on yourself, I think that that is true and untrue in that we do put it on ourselves, but we're also wired for it. (laughs) So we, we lean into it. And I think for so many pet professionals, there's a little bit of self-judgment there, a little bit of struggle against that. Like I shouldn't be like this. And yet we are wired for it. Mm -hmm. We are wired for the people pleasing and the really, really wanting to do it just right. And the anxiety that goes with that. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So how does your photography passion help you? It really takes me out of my head that I can't be in any other place thinking about what happened a minute ago or yesterday or what my responsibilities are going to be tomorrow. It's just such a um, such a passionate thing for me that it's all consuming and that I'm I'm fully present in what I'm doing, and then having so that's my sort of outside wildlife nature experience, and then having the photography has allowed me to share that with other people. So people who maybe don't have the luxury of part-time work and can't get out as much as I can get out to nature and have these experiences that people can, through my words or through my photographs, have that experience and have just a little bit of relief and a deep breath in the course of their days. It is very interesting how your photos and words tie together 
the experience. I was I was on your blog and I read about a coyote sort of <laughs> following you and your dogs through a park. And it was very interesting because I kept thinking, and she's stopping and taking pictures and she's stopping. And <laughs> like, because there were multiple images and your description of what was happening. And there was a part of me that was like, but we need to go and we need to get these dogs. And yet, I could I could see the respect on all sides for the for the coyote and for the dogs and for the capturing of the moment and being there and feeling it and and marveling in it. I really loved that. Thank you so much. That's that you've just said everything that I hope somebody would get out of that. Well, <laughs> um, yay. <laughs> <laughs> but I I do hear that very often that people are like, "Why were you standing there taking pictures? Like mm-hmm. it's a bear, it's a bull elk, <laughs> you know, it's a coyote." And that just speaks to the amount of time that I've spent out there and the comfort level that I have. And so like in my work life, I know a lot about dog and cat behavior, which allows me to interact with them safely, environments where they might be stressed about what's going on. Um, The same thing about the animals, you know, out in the wild, you spend enough time, you learn about their behavior, you know, when they're stressed, and maybe you need to back off and you can see when they're comfortable, and they're just doing their thing. And it's time to take more pictures. (laughs) Yes. Well, you describe yourself as an explorer. So what does exploration mean to you? Exploration is, to me, is seeing and paying attention to things that in the course of our purposeful um, busy days that we don't really have a chance to do. So whether that's to go someplace new and see something I've never seen before and learn something about that environment and that place and those people, or whether it's going in these same trails behind my house where I've been going 10 years and every time I go out, I see something new. So it's seeing something um, maybe with that's familiar, but with new eyes and in a new way to just to have to open yourself to that experience. Um, I read something recently that equated that to how children experience the world. And for children, everything is new and time sort of slows down. Um, you remember when you're a kid, summers last forever. And now it's like, oh my gosh, it's October already. And so we can kind of bring ourselves back to that slower pace by looking at things and appreciating things with new eyes. And that's one of the things that I aim to do for people as well who are viewing my photography is to help them to see something they've never seen before or see something in a new way and then just have that kind of stay with them when they leave um, and maybe think about it and have it just sort of sink in or percolate down. I think your photography does that beautifully. All of the images I've seen have had that aspect to it. One of the one of the things I really like about the word exploration and exploring is the connotations of the openness, the freedom, no judgment kind of thing, the, dis- the discovery. And that's what you just described as you were going through it, you know, just like walking paths behind your house that you walk all the time, but seeing them differently. So you're discovering and not evaluating and judging. Absolutely. How do you think, you know, shifting our personal perspective a little bit from the judgy side to, to being a little bit more open to just exploration and discovery, how might that impact us? Um, I think that that helps me to be less judgmental in all aspects and to be able to understand that everybody's coming from their own unique experience. And what I'm seeing is just a small part of it that I'm just a little bit more 
open to how people experience the world differently and that everybody's looking through their own unique eyes that's influenced by their own history and their experiences and what just happened a second ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, so that really helps me to be less reactive, I guess. And that's a little bit kind of the meditative part of it for me is to, to being out in nature and photographing and so I'm out of my head, um, <laughs> which is sometimes uh, a nice break. But then that that helps me to just kind of you know, get to a more even place. And then once I'm in, in a better place, then that makes me less less judgmental. And I guess putting less of myself onto other people and letting people be their own unique selves. Yeah, that's a really powerful way of looking at it and, and thinking about it because it is so easy to immediately jump to an interpretation of someone else's experience based on our own framework. Like what's happened to me, then therefore this is how you would feel about it. And that's not ever yes. the right fit. It's just yes. never, never works that way. Absolutely. And in that vein, when I go out with other photographers, it's interesting to come back and we were all in the same place at the same time. And everybody's images are so different because everybody saw such different things and had such different experiences, but all in the same kind of collective experience. So that that helps with that that judgment as well, I think. Yeah, I think I think that would be a really helpful piece. You've mentioned a couple of times photography helping you get out of your head. And I think that that's a thing that that so many people struggle to find. You know, what is the activity that can get me out of my head and into this moment, this moment where I can focus on what's happening here? Do you have any thoughts or suggestions for people trying to find what what their magic activity might be? It's it's a hard thing. I mean, it's it sounds kind of cliche to find what you're passionate about, but what you're passionate about is just going to suck you in completely and not leave room for anything else. So, you know, back to the exploration, I would encourage people to explore different things and different hobbies and and find um, that one that that really speaks to them and really kind of consumes all of their mental thoughts. Um, to give them a break from everything else and then enjoying that activity so much as well. How did you find photography or how did photography find you? (laughs) It started really just as a way to memorialize vacations and trips. A long time ago, I went on a safari with my mother to Africa and, and so I got a camera for that. And that was my first, you know, real camera and that kind of a thing. And It just kind of grew from that. Um, And then as I got a little bit more into it and sort of honed my skills about it and started sharing it, then I started to get uh, feedback from people about how it was impacting them. And I realized that I have an opportunity to connect people to nature. And um, so um, wildlife and nature and conservation is important to me. And so this is a way to help share that with other people. I think people care about what they're connected to. Yes. And what they can understand. Um, and so the more the more you teach through your images and, and words, the more people can relate and understand and care. When I was, again, on your blog, the, the photos of the mountain goats are just extraordinary. Their ability to, to be in crevices and things. And you just, a little side note, said something about how their neck muscles help them move forward, up, and over obstacles. And when I read that, I was like, well, of course they do. But I had never 
actually thought about that movement. And I know that I will now be watching for that. <laughs> so that was an interesting piece. It, it taught me something to look. And then I went back and looked at the images again to, to watch next. And I think that that it's intriguing for people. And so when, when the things that we don't care about at all, we usually don't know much about. Correct. And once we have some curiosity and we learn a little bit, then we start caring. We're like, yes. Ooh, you know? Yes. And I think that there's a little bit of that around every corner. So this past summer in my yard, um, we had a lot of caterpillars for whatever reason. And the moth caterpillars, adult moths are just so drab, really, you know, in their grays and browns. But their caterpillars are the most striking things. I sort of fell in love with caterpillars this summer. They've always been in my yard, but I just didn't really know very much about them before. And I didn't pay that much attention, right? Mm -hmm. So now I know they're there and I'm always kind of looking and I'm finding new ones and just all the colors and um, the forms they come. And I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so do you do any photography that isn't like outdoor nature photography? Do you do any at the office veterinary photography or are these separate areas for you? Separate areas for me. Really indoor photography requires flash and light and um, things that I don't have skill <laughs> or, <laughs> or equipment for. So it's all outside. I've, I'm volunteering um, now for a, a local uh, fox hunt. They, they hunt fox scent um, on horseback with hounds. So it's a little bit wildlife, but kind of pets too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's been a lot of fun learning all about um, that experience um, in that um sort of it's a, you know, a historic ritual. And, um, and so there's a lot that goes along with it. Yeah. But uh, in my, my passion, sometimes people ask me to take pictures of people and I'm like, well, I can, but that's not really <laughs> my skill. Won't be any better than if you took a picture of a person. Right, right. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, so it's, it's really all outdoors. So plants, animals, landscapes, all of that. The simulated fox hunt is interesting. I live in a neighborhood where all of the streets are related to fox hunt words. So we had to look them up when we moved to the area to go like, well, what is a Seidenstricker and what would be the field master? And, you know, all of these words, because apparently fox hunting was a thing around here. It has here a way language back. all its own. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So in, in the current fox hunt stuff you're doing, it's just the scent of a fox. They create mm-hmm. a, a, how does that work? They drag a scent trail. Um, so um, a couple of people go out on horseback um, ahead of the field um, and they drag the, the uh, fox scent. Um, it's probably urine. I don't know. It's this bottle with this liquid you just don't want to get too close to. Right? <laughs> um, and, um, and then the hounds go. I mean, they start more hounds in the season. And as some show their skill and some aren't so interested in hunting, they sort of drop off and they end up with about 15, I think they said, are like their best hounds at the end of the season. And the hounds follow the trail and the people follow on horseback and Sometimes they stay on the trail and sometimes they don't. And it's just a a wonderfully chaotic experience. But you can see the joy in the hounds um, Mm -hmm. and in the horses. And so that's, that's I'm supposed to be taking pictures of the people on the horseback, but that's really worth it, (laughs) (laughs) which I do. But, but that's, you know, the thing for me um, that makes me want to go and do that um, as the animals again. That's so interesting. Yeah, I, don't, I didn't know much about that. 
So, so when we're looking at pet professionals and how there are so many different types of pet professionals, you know, the, the veterinarians and the t- techs and the office staff and all the front office and back office and the kennel staff. And then we get into the dog trainers and the groomers and the dog daycare. And there's like a million different forms of this, but there are some really common themes in terms of their struggles and, and their own personal needs. So on the personal needs aspect, everyone was drawn in with curiosity and passion for animals. Not everyone was drawn in with curiosity and passion for humans. <laughs> Not everyone. Um, and then on the on the struggle side is sort of what we started with, was that perfectionism and this need to meet people's expectations and to do our very, very best on every single case, which gets tricky at times. So... Having worked as a veterinarian for as long as you have, what would be your best tip for someone who is really sort of feeling that pull and and not sure how to maintain their balance with it? Um, I think it's important to have something outside of work. It's so common to work such long hours and not have the time. You know, you come home and you're tired and you just, you eat and you lay down and you get up and you do it again. But I think it's important to make time for something else um, so that not all of your energy is going into this one thing. And it doesn't have to be any big thing, but I think something else to take your mind off of what you're doing at work and then something else to talk to people about um, besides work. A lot of times, you know, our, our friends are our work friends. And so we're at work talking about work, we're at play talking about work, but it just gives you another topic and something else to kind of go off into to give you a little bit of relief. Um, So, you know, whether that's exercising or it's the coloring books, you know, they have um, Mm -hmm. for adults now, you know, to get into your creative side a little bit, but something that's just not animals. I I do um, agility and I've done some nose work with one of my dogs, but that's that's for him (laughs) Um, because that's still really in, in that same vein of, of the work life. So it, I don't think it would provide the the escape or the relief um, from those work pressures like a hobby that's a little bit further away from work would do. Yeah, I think there's a real value to that. And it's amazing to me how how few pet professionals have something that's, you know, a hobby completely unrelated to, you know, oh, I do cross-stitch of animals. <laughs> I, <you know. laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> that kind of thing. Oh, okay. It, yeah. It's close. We're, we're getting there. But I, I can't say I was any better for years. I, I didn't have something myself that was completely unrelated and, and, you know, able to create that division in my brain, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. And yes. that that chance for your brain to think about something besides work and the needs that are there, because no matter how much you do, you're never going to finish your work. There's always another animal who needs to be cared for. Yeah. Uh, When I was working full-time, I had a really hard time sort of switching gears, like coming home and, and and, and kind of turning off that work and then focusing on something else. And so I would sort of need to decompress and then it was time for bed. And so I would, I wasn't, 
good about that either for a long time and not really having other hobbies or something I did during the week besides work. And gosh, there's such a difference in me now that I, I'm able to give time to other passions. So I have the photography um, which is starting to become a little bit of a business. So, <laughs> so that's, you know, it's kind of its own thing, but, um, but I garden and I bike and you know, I do other things that, that I have the luxury of time for that really help to give me that balance, but that balance is what's important. Yeah, it really is. And, and prioritizing it. So even yes. for the people who are, are still in the full-time mode, even if you can't do it during the week, finding on your day off that time and, and honoring it. Like I am going to do something for myself yes. and that there's the value in that. And, and back to the exploration concept of it, the, the dabbling and the no need for there to be uh, a perfect level at which you do it, or, you know, it doesn't have to be the world's best drawing or painting or coloring or, photos it just has to be something you try and play with right and as an exploration I kind of think by definition there's no goal Mm -hmm. Um, you know we're sort of just going out to see what happens you know you know maybe we're we're out looking at the ordinary in a new way but we're ready for the extraordinary you know if it's going to be there too but it's um, there's no there's no way to do it right or wrong because the doing is the thing yeah that's incredibly freeing I hope I hope some of the listeners can uh, go play and do something and explore <laughs> something uh, just to see what what the benefits are because it really is like a, an openness to to newness and new experiences. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, this I has agree. been really interesting. How could people learn more about you and your work? Uh, so I have a website. Uh, it's called exploringnaturephotos.com. Um, so my photography is there and my blog that you've mentioned is there. And then there's links there. I'm on Instagram and Facebook and Flickr is really kind of um, all of the overwhelming amount of images, I would say. <laughs> um, but you, but the website links to all of those things. And then um, professionally, I'm a, at Loyal Companions Animal Hospital um, in St. Charles, uh, outside of Chicago. And like I said, that's a, a fear-free practice. That's been a whole new exploration um, mm-hmm. for me professionally and um, has been wonderfully rewarding. Um, so, um, so those are the places where I spend most of my time. Awesome. Well, I will link to all of that in the show notes so that people can find it and learn more and go check out amazing photos. Thank you so much for coming on today. Thanks for having me, Colleen. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Unleashed at Work and Home. Are you looking for ways to feel better fast and make it last? Do you want more actionable ideas and strategies? Would you like to connect with other amazing pet professionals who care about helping animals and creating healthy, fun work cultures? If so, you are going to love the Unleashed Resilience community. Visit ColleenPilar.com community for more information. I can't wait to see you there.